felt prompted by the Holy Spirit and was kind of confirmed this morning that, that I'm on the right track because I want to start off talking about my eyes. So my eyes are weird. And I found out that I am not the only one in the building, I won't point that person out, that, that, that we share a similar problem with our eyes. I have one eye that sees far-sighted, and I have one eye that sees nearsighted. And of course, without glasses, this could be a huge problem just walking through buildings or, you know, it's, just, it's, it's a problem. Thankfully, I have corrective lenses. And it helps me to see the way that I'm supposed to see. God bless you. This always happens when I start to talk. People start sneezing. Are you guys allergic to what I'm about to say? Started to get a complex. You know. We could have need of spiritual eyesight correction. And so when a pastor gets up and starts to talk about vision or starts to talk about vision casting, there's, there's a general feeling that something like this happens. The pastor gets the vision. I try to sell you the vision. I try to get you to buy into the vision so that we can complete the vision. That's typical what happens to a, a, a vision casting sermon. I'm not going to say that that is wrong, but that's not us. This is not what we want, what we're about as a leadership team. It is not my vision. It's God's vision. It's our vision. And it comes from all of us. And so when I begin to talk about vision later on, that's the lens that I, I, I want you to see this message through. I want to tell you, look, it's not that I don't think that God speaks through pastors. He does, okay? And he speaks vision through pastors. I, I know I have a friend who had a vision before he came here to, uh, about the church he was going to be uh, hired at. And he had a vision that, it, that this church needed to be healed. And he was right on. He was spot on. And he did all the right things in order for that to happen. So he had a vision. He wasn't really asking for buy-in on it or for people to slot into certain things. He was just going to work that vision according to what God asked him to do. Okay, so there are times... There are, there are things that God wants to do, but here's what I believe my job is, what leadership's job is, and it's found in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God as we mature to the full measure of the stature of Christ. So it is not my job as pastor to dictate vision. It is my job to encourage vision and to equip you to you to discover your vision, your purpose, your mission, that we collectively do together and you do on your own in your own personal walk with God, it is my job and leadership's job to equip you to be as ready as possible for that. Can, 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 we, under, can we get that? You know, 
So when I when I I, I want that to be the lens because I and again I'm not saying it's wrong for it's just wrong for us to approach vision that way. That it is it's easy for the pastor to stand up and get attention and think it's all about him and it's not anything close to being about me. It is always about Christ. It is always about what God wants us to do, where God is leading us, where God is taking us, and He will instruct us where to slot into that vision. Amen? Amen? Okay. Is it, have I made that clear enough? Okay. Okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your, your wonderful grace towards us so that when we approach you, you receive us. And then you, you choose to speak to us through your word. And this is the thing that we love, that you have given us your word this morning. I pray that all our hearts would be open and ready to receive what you would have us understand about vision this morning. In order for that to, to even come close to happening because of the, of the vessel, I ask you to empty me of me. That you completely fill me with you. So that your words, your heart, your mind, your spirit is clearly understood so that we will have no doubts about what you're saying for us as a group of people, as a group of brothers and sisters dedicated here this morning, right now, to hear your word. And so we offer this up as a sacrifice of praise to you, saying, make this moment about worship, because you alone need to be glorified, and you alone need to be recognized as Lord, Savior, King, and wonderful, wonderful Father. And we want to give you all the glory and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thanks for listening to my little disclaimer because I just really felt that was necessary. Did you ever hear the, the phrase, field of vision? Anybody know what a field of vision is? Did you ever hear it? Okay. So when we're talking about someone's field of vision, it is what they're focused on and everything that they can see without turning their head. So my peripheral vision begins right about now. I can see my fingers moving. I have pretty good peripheral vision. So that's my field of vision. Without having turned my head, that's my field of vision. That's what I can see in that, in that, whatever that scope is. If I turn my head, my field of vision does what? It changes. Now, because there are health issues, it can affect our field of vision. It can limit our field of vision, even even that. You know, some people's uh, peripheral vision is very narrow. You know, and so it's, it might be out here. This might be, or their eyesight could be so bad that all they can see is something that's directly in front of them. And this is certainly true with spiritual vision as well. Growing up in an abusive home will do many things to you, but it will rob you of something very precious to a human soul. Growing up in an abusive home will rob you of hope. See, and grow, since I was growing up in this abusive, abusive, harsh environment, my field of vision was very narrow. And I didn't have any hope for a way out. There was, I, there was no way that I could project or see a future for myself growing up in that environment. But God was in this. 
There was one moment when my father actually paid me a compliment. Now, those who know my story, my father was cruel, he was vicious, he was mean, and there was no good thing that came out of his mouth. There was no such thing as affirmation or encouragement. Absolutely none. So when I use the word compliment, I, I, I use it very loosely because it was more of a passing remark. And it was, say, it was said in the same tone and the same gruffness that he usually spoke to me with. But it was really extremely powerful moment. I had a sketch pad and I was sitting at the dining room table just sketching cartoon characters. I had this one cartoon character called Snuffy. Okay, he was a he was a fat man that rode on an arrow and had an oil can. I have no idea why I drew this guy. But I drew this guy over and over again and Snuffy was kind of my my calling card. I would believe now it's penguins, but that's a whole other different story. Okay, but Snuffy was my character that I drew and I happened to be drawing Snuffy at that moment. And my father was passing by. He stopped. He looked at it and, and he said in his gruff way, you know, if you keep this up, you can make some money someday. And that was all he said. And he went to the, to the uh, living room to watch TV. What was just doodles and just spooning around in a sketch pad became a career. I became an artist. I became a graphic designer. See, in that moment, even through my father, God widened my field of vision. He changed the way I was looking at something. And I didn't realize it at first. I didn't, I didn't grab it or, or, or just, you know, in my, I think I was 10 or 11 or 12. I didn't quite understand the spiritual application of this. But God was doing something very significant for me. He widened my field of vision. See, this is why vision is so important. Spiritual vision is huge. Because the Bible says this, and we're going to get to this, this scripture in just a minute, but that without vision, people perish. But I want us to look at this scripture in a whole, I think it might be a whole different way for you, because it was for me when I started to really dig this part. Let's read it. It's in Proverbs 29 18. And usually it's that first part that you only hear. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he who keeps the law, he is blessed. A lot of times, especially in a vision casting sermon, you only get that first part. Well, vision, people perish. Some, some translations say people throw off restraint. And that's actually what that word means. It doesn't mean passing away or dying. It really means that people lose control. That was, that's what that word means in, 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 in the Hebrew. It means that people cast off restraint, they lose control. And they lose control because they don't listen to the word of God. The answer is right there in that same scripture. See, the word for vision means an oracle, a prophecy. But what it, listen to this, it means divine communication. Divine means God wants to talk to us on a personal level. The God of the universe is divinely communicating with us so that we can understand what his word says so that we can obey it. Changes that verse completely, doesn't it? Absolutely changes my viewpoint of what vision really is. It it just rocked my world when I began to understand what God was saying is, you know, without vision, without divine communication, people lose 
get back connected here. Now we're back in control. But do you see that? You see, without divine communication, we perish in a different way. We lose control. Without obeying the Word of God, without having God's words in us, we lose control. We, we, we lose restraint. We, we don't stay in the boundaries of His love and His mercy and His care. And we get lost. That's a whole kind of different level of perishing. It could lead to physical death, but it's even more deadly than that. We lose control. And then we wonder why people get lost. Well, if you can't see where you're going, you're going to be lost. And so God is so kind to us and saying, you know what? If you obey my law, you will be blessed. You'll be under control. You'll be under my sovereignty, my care, my mercy, my love, and you'll be under control. So you will not perish. This is, this is just mind-blowing to me that we misunderstand this whole thing about vision. Without vision, people will take the path of least resistance. We want to avoid the pain, the struggle, and the discipline it takes to follow God with everything that we have. We throw off restraint. We think, we think that by avoiding all that, we are actually in control. And, and that's a false belief. It's a false belief that we're, if we avoid the, the discipline that God has asked us to come under in order to have the understanding what his divine communication is saying to us so that we can move forward, but we're trying to avoid the discipline of that, we think, well, we're, we, got, we're, we got this little spot here. We're, we're in control. We're, we have lost restraint, the Bible says. We not only lost it, we have purposely tossed it away. This is extremely dangerous for a son of daughter of God is to lose vision. We need divine communication and we need to obey it to see where to go. You know, we said it last week. Jesus said you would know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so when the truth sets us free, we are more open to divine communication. When we obey divine communication, we are more free. And when we are more free, you see how this goes? You know, it, this is a beautiful cycle here that just keeps us connected to what, what we need to hear from God. And therefore, we get to see clearly our field of vision increases. And we're not, we're not limited to just the extent of our peripheral vision. We can see 360. Because that's what God enables us to do. Make sense so far? Spiritual vision helps our heart, our mind, and our spirit interpret what our eyes see. Spiritual vision helps our heart, our mind, and our spirit interpret what our eyes see. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your vision is clear, your whole body will be full of light. Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, 18. He prayed this great prayer. It's an awesome prayer. Listen to this prayer. I ask that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. That word means, I, I want your heart to be bright. I want it to be so full of light so that you're instructed to know. 
So I pray that your heart might be so bright that it's instructed to know so that you, this is, he's like saying this twice here, so that you may know the hope of your calling and the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. When our spiritual eyes are open and our heart, our mind, our spirit are full of light, our field of vision increases. Again, we're no longer hampered by the extent of, of doubt, fear, worry, anxiety. Those things don't have to be things that kind of narrow our vision, that kind of limit the way we see things. So we, basically what happens is we start to see how God sees life. Because without it, we perish. We throw off restraint. We need vision to see what God is saying in his word, his beautiful word. Jesus actually had two vision statements. Our vision statement that we came up with was we build bridges to gl- that glorify God, that transform lives, and impact the world. That's BBCC's vision statement. We, but really it comes from Jesus's two, he has two vision statements in the, in the scriptures. The Great Commission, going to all the world to make disciples, teaching them everything that I have taught you. And then the Great Commandment. Love God, basically, with everything that you are. Heart, soul, mind, strength, spirit, everything. And then we learned last week that the Hebrew, to know God, meant to everything, my emotions. Everything is involved in knowing God. So we're going to love God like this, and then we're going to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. See, because when we know God, when we love God, we're able to love God the way he deserves to be loved. We get to love ourselves correctly, and we get to love people with compassion. So the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, these are Jesus' vision statements. And they're really ours. I don't need to cast vision in this way because it's already been cast. This is, this is, we just need to find out where God wants us to slot in. See, I, I don't have to sell you on this. Jesus already sold it by his blood. You know, we don't, we don't, we choose to buy into it to how, and to, and to see where our part is as a community of believers and what part of, do we do as individuals, as sons and daughters of the Most High. See, this is where we slot in. You don't slot into what I'm telling you what our vision is. I'm, that's not, I'm going to equip you to the best that I can so that you discover what God wants you to do. And some of that we'll do, we'll do together, and some of you'll do it individually. But leadership team is going to help you discover that along the way and then hopefully equip you for how you need to do it. That's, that's my job as pastor. That's my job as, as leader is to equip you. Not to see where you're going to slot into what I want to do. Some of the things that I have vision as a pastor, as an individual of this church, does affect you. Of course it does. But I'm not imposing this on you. And if I do, I have leadership members, Mike and Patty, and my wife, and Tim and Jenny, that will come and correct me. And I need that. You hear my heart in this. We need vision. We should look for vision. But God has given us a vision in the Great Commandment, in the Great Commission. 
Would you go to Matthew 9, please? Matthew 9, chapter 9. We're going to read uh, the last two verses of chapter 9 and the very first verse of Matthew 10, 1. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest, his harvest. And uh, chapter 10, verse 1, And he called to him his twelve disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. My question is, do you think that Jesus understood his mission? It's not a rhetorical question. What was his vision? Just in this passage. None should perish. What's his vision in this passage? That's true. It's, it's many things, multiple things here. Yeah. To equip. To, yep, to send, to equip. Can you see both the great commission in here and the great commandment in here? What I love about this passage is this, is, is this beautiful thing here. It says, Jesus is going through all the cities. He's teaching. He's proclaiming. He's healing. He's doing the work of the ministry. But he sees the crowd and he, what? he has compassion on them. Because they were helpless and harassed. It is easy when you, when you talk about vision alone, to get caught up in the work of the ministry and ignore people. To Jesus, it's never about the ministry. It's always about the people. We do ministry because of people. When we start to concentrate as a group of believers on just the ministry, just about what we're doing, but we don't notice the people that we're ministering to, we are not doing ministry. It's ineffective. It might even be successful in a sense of certain measurable criteria. But if we are not doing the great commission or the great commandment in any ministry that we do as a group of believers together or as an individual, we are not really doing ministry. Because Jesus says he saw the people and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. And there's a community outside of these four walls that are harassed and helpless. We talked about it a little bit last week. We can turn on the news at any moment and see news stories about the harassed and, and, and the helpless. Ministry is important. We were created to do good works. We said this last week, you know, that we're prepared for us to do. But if we don't have compassion... We're just doing good deeds, and good deeds are enough, not enough to change people. They're just not enough. They're important, but it's our compassion that we need. Compassion is love in action. 
So it's more than just doing good deeds. It's doing good deeds because they first glorify God, they transform lives, and they impact the world. That is the Great Commission and the Great Commandment all together. See that? Do you see that? I love the fact that Jesus was, was all over building bridges. Jesus gives us the model for this. First of all, he bridges the gap between us and God by sacrificing his life on the cross, by raising himself from the dead. Wow, that bridged a huge gap. That's the gap that needed to be bridged. We would not be here today if Jesus does not bridge that gap for us. Galatians 3.28 says this. We see more bridge building in this verse. Listen, there is neither Jew or Greek. There is neither slave or free. There is no male or female, for you are all what? One in Christ Jesus. This is why we are bridge builders, because Jesus showed us how to be bridge builders. There's the vision. And then so in order to increase our field of vision, we simply ask God some really good questions. I'm going to get to those questions in a minute. But I'm going to, I'm going to go talk about three components of what vision is. Three components. The first component, component, excuse me, is insight. Vision needs insight. The Bible says it this way. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any harmful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. Insight is looking through a microscope. Insight is looking through a microscope. It's introspection. It's, it is looking inside of ourselves and, and, and just asking God, what about what's inside of me is blocking vision for me, for, my, for the body that I, I, I've joined with, to travel on the with? What is, what is it about my life that, that could be blocking my field of vision? It's a great question to ask God. Search me. See if there be any harmful way. Some verses say wicked. I think the King James says wicked way in me. But the word actually means harmful. And wicked could be harmful, obviously, but it's even a more pinpoint. See if there's anything that is harmful for me that's keeping my vision free and clear so I can see where you're leading me. The second component is foresight. Foresight. Foresight is looking through a telescope. The beautiful thing about foresight is foresight takes what we see in the distance, in the future, and helps us connect it with what we're seeing now. And foresight is actually protection. And in verse Proverbs 22.3 says this, The prudent, those who see ahead, sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and they suffer for it. The word hide here means to 
cover oneself. Not because you're afraid, but because you're wise. So this is a picture of we cover ourselves with what? We cover ourselves with prayer. We cover ourselves with wise counsel. We cover ourselves with each other. So when we see something that's coming down the road, we have each other to run it through. And we pray about it. We need insight. We need that, that, that microscope level intensity of, of discovering things about our life. We also need the telescope. We need foresight in order to, to, to marry those two things together, to marry what we see going on now and what we might be seeing down the road because they help each other interpret where we are. That makes sense? Okay. So we need insight. We need foresight. And the third component of vision is oversight. Oversight. This is basically seeing things from God's perspective, from above. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that comes from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Is that not necessary for bridge building? To have wisdom that is pure? That means it's untainted because it comes from God. Wisdom that, that says, oh, you know what? I've run this through Mike a lot. I said, Mike, I said, just listen to me. I'm not saying we're going to do this, but this is a, I just have these ideas. I just need to get them out. And so I'll spew out all kinds of ideas, and Mike just listens and helps me interpret these things. See, that is humble listening to someone over me. It helps me interpret what I think God is saying. See, wisdom is oversight. We need insight. We need foresight. We need oversight in order for us to understand what vision is. And all three of those help us increase our field of vision. They help us see more clearly what God is asking us to do. They're all very important. All need, every time you feel like you hear something from God, you needed to run it through insight, foresight, and oversight. Those three lenses help correct our vision and help us see better. That makes sense? Makes sense? Oversight puts insight and foresight into context by submitting everything to God. It helps us understand the steps that we need to take, and here's the big one, why we need to take them. A lot of times people get involved with ministry, but they don't know why that ministry exists. Why are we even doing this? I've heard a lot, a lot through my years of walking in different churches. Why are we even doing this? But people are, are involved in this, and they keep on going week after week, and you know, time after time, and they have no clue why we're, a certain church is doing something. I don't ever want that to be the case here. Leadership does not want that to be the case here. We always want to communicate the why. Why are we doing this? Why are we involved in something? Like 
bridging, building bridges between races, building bridges between denominations. Why are we doing that? Well, because that's the heart of God, first of all, who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's why we do it. We want to be obedient. We want to have vision. We want divine communication so that we don't lose control and so that we obey his word and be blessed. Without vision, people perish, yeah, because they're not listening to the word of God. Well, of course, they're going to perish. We don't want to be that way. We want to be adhere to this wonderful, this wonderful, wonderful word that he's given us. This is our why, ultimately. This is why. The gospel is our why. But we, when we do specific things as a church, as a body of believers together, I want us all to understand the why. And if you don't understand why we're doing a certain thing together, come talk to us. That's a reasonable request, right? Right? Okay. Because I want us to understand what vision is. Vision is the bridge between the present and the future. It's what we see and the way we see it. Build bridges that glorify God, transform lives, and impact the world. This needs a huge, large field of vision. Jesus has already given us a vision. He's already given us a purpose. He's already given us a mission. If we just obey them, we'll make a a statement to this world. I write down vision statements and purpose statements and mission statements because they help us focus on certain things. But really, the great commandment and the, <laughs> and the great commission, there it is. Boom. Right there. It's easily understood what we're supposed to do. We seek God about how this particular body is, is to do that. And that, to me, is the easiest way to look at this, what God has asked us to do. 46% of high power. Now, we talked about some figures last week, right? 46% of that 22-ish thousand people that live in High Park, 46% of them hold to no religious affiliation. No faith in God at all. 11,000, 12,000 people-ish. I'm not very good at math, but 46, that's roughly, right? It's roughly 50%. That's a lot of people that have no connection to God whatsoever. Harvest is out there. Harvest is out there. We don't have to worry about, you know, going anyplace else. We, we know we have work right here. We need a vision. We need our field of vision to increase. And I need and we need all of us doing that together. Seeking God for specific things to do. Fasting and praying. God, show me what we're supposed to be involved with. Who we're supposed to partner with. Who we're not supposed to partner with. That's an important uh, revelation as well. So I have some questions that I want you to, to kind of... Think about and as you fast and prayed, when God asked you to do that, to think about these questions and see what God says to you. Keep, like I said, keep a journal or a notebook next to you because God's going to speak to you because He wants to have divine communication with you. He doesn't want any of us to get out of control. 
He wants to have divine communication with us. So here's some, here's some filtering questions I have for you today. How do I make disciples? What's that look like for me personally and for Bridgefields? It's a question I ask all the time. How do I make disciples? Never we're supposed to go into all the world and make disciples. Well, what does that look like? How do I, am I making disciples? This, is, this opens up a whole flurry of, of questions, and God will do that to you. Once you ask God a question, God usually will ask you a question in return, at least with me. Happens every time I ask God a question, God will follow up with a question for me. Bugs me, but I love it. Here's the second question. How do I love you, God, and, and other people in a way that changes me and impacts them? How do I love you, God, in a way that changes me and impacts them? That's a huge question to ask God. Be ready for the answer. That's why I want you to have a notepad or a journal ready and your Bible next to you. Because God wants to answer these questions. See, these are not un... God wants to answer these questions. Because He doesn't want us to lose control. He wants us to have vision, right? And He wants us to obey. Where do I need to increase my field of vision? What area of my life do I need to increase my... What am I seeing that's too narrow? I guarantee you, you ask that question of God and you sit around long enough to hear the answer, you're going to be challenged. In the context of my life, my, my time, my talents, my treasure, how do I fulfill the call that you've asked me to do? See, these questions build on each other. In the context, in the way I live my life, my time, my talent, excuse me, my treasure, how I spend those, how am I doing that now? Basically, is it fulfilling my call that God has called me to? And maybe you're saying here this morning, you say, well, I don't know what my call is. Yes, you do. I just told you. Well, the Bible just told you to go into the world Make disciples. See, that is not a call just for pastors or for those in leadership positions. Jesus makes no distinction there. He says, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them what I have taught you. The Bible also tells us that our call is to what? Love God with everything that we are. Spend it all on God. And then love our neighbors like we love ourselves. Here's our call. How that's expressed personally through our time, talent, and treasures is what we need to seek God for. You know your call. That's your call. That's my call. I express it one way as, as serving as your pastor. That's one way I get to do this. It's, it's a beautiful way to, for me to do it too. Love being your pastor. Absolutely love it, and I'm sincere about that. I may not always like it, but I absolutely love it. And it has, and that not liking it, it has nothing to do with you. 
It has everything with the, with the shallowness of my own heart sometimes. But I absolutely love being able to express the great commandment and the great commission in this capacity. But I have other things that answer that as well. And so do you. So do we think we have a better understanding of what vision is this morning? Okay. Do we, are you with me in, in, in understanding that we need to filter it through insight, foresight, and oversight? And we need, I think we, I explained it enough, but I want to make sure before we leave here today that we understand that whole scripture in Proverbs that without vision, my people perish. That we understand what that means now. Okay? And maybe in a different way. That when we obey God, we're not only blessed, but we understand His, His divine communication. And because we understand his divine communication, we, our field of vision increases now. And, and, I, and it is 360, this now. God gives us a, a total view. I really believe that, spiritually. God wants us to see all the way around problems. God wants us to see all the way around issues. God wants us to see all the way around the things that we struggle with. God doesn't want us to have just one narrow view. God wants us to see it at all so that we can deal with it according to his word. See, this is where obedience comes in. This is where discipline comes in. Sometimes words that we don't like, obedience and discipline, but it's those exact words that we need to embrace as we follow him. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for loving us so well that you spoke to us about what vision is. And I pray, Father, again, if there's any words that were confusing that came from my mouth, that you would eradicate them, you would erase them, and let only your truth remain. I pray, Father, that you would give us a hunger for vision so that we can have divine communication that helps us understand how to obey your word better. Not out of compulsion, but out of love. That we would be drawn by your love and nothing else. First of all, we want to give you thanks that, that you bridged the gap for us. That you taught us and are teaching us about what bridge building really is. So we pray that our field of vision would increase. That we would see you in different and new and vibrant and passionate ways. And that we would see our world not as this place that we need to shun, but that we need to go into because there's a great harvest waiting. And we admit and we proclaim that we don't know how to do this without you. And like Moses, we will not go anyplace if you don't go with us. <laughs> we just won't, because why would we? And we, we're asking for, to, for you to expose areas of ministry, but we don't want to minister without seeing people. We want to have compassion like you have and what you have shown us. So we ask that as, as brothers and sisters together that you will increase vision in us, that you will help us have insight, foresight, oversight, so that we may discern properly what you would have us to do. And that the great 
vision that you already gave us, the great commission and the great commandment, that they will become great in our spirit. And that we will just gladly take our time and our treasure and our talents and we will spend it on the kingdom according to your design, according to your will, according to your purposes so that you get the glory. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You're dismissed.